Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Exciting news. The ESL Empowered, Secure, and Loved eight-week relationship coaching program is officially reopened for application. This eight-week program fills up really quickly every time we open the doors. So you are going to want to apply ASAP. This program is for you if you're ready to get off the dating roller coaster for good. And if you need those internal shifts that allow you to embody a securely attached woman so you can effortlessly attract that relationship that you want. It also is for you if you need the tools for attracting and maintaining that healthy relationship. The program is designed, obviously, to help you bring in that partner that you can build a long-term, intentional, healthy relationship with. And even more importantly, it is about healing that relationship with yourself. This is that internal transformation that is needed when you're ready to step into the relationship that you deserve and to step into the next level of your life. I am personally inviting you to apply if you know that you're ready for help in this area of your life. You can't do it alone. You've tried everything and you are absolutely ready to do the internal work to get the change that you need so you can stop the pain and the heartache in your life and maybe go back into summer, go back into dating, feeling empowered, secure, and loved and ready to attract that relationship that you're so deserving of. If that's you and you're like, okay, Dr. Morgan, I hear you. I know I need this. I am going to take ownership of this area of my life. Enough is enough. I know I deserve what I deserve and I'm going to take action. If that's you, I encourage you to go to my Instagram bio, use the link there. It's apply now. So apply for the program there, or there will also be a link in the show notes. Make sure you don't wait. Apply now to reserve your spot in the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have Case Kenny with us. Welcome, Case. So excited to have you. Hello. Thank you. It's good to be here. I am honored to be a guest. Of course. Yes. And I just want to do a little intro so the audience knows a bit about you. So Case is a Chicago-based host of the Apple podcast, Top 10 podcast, New Mindset, Who This? And y'all, if you haven't listened to it, you need to. I listened to it. It's really, really good. So go check that out. Um, He's also a recording artist, DJ, and producer. 
creating dance music guided meditations. And Case is the creator of the best selling mindfulness journal, the new mindset journal, the dating workbook, single is your superpower, and the anti anxiety journal, Unbothered. You're a busy guy. <laughs> that sounds more impressive than it is, but yeah, I like to be busy. And I've got another project that I'm about to release in like two months. So I'll add to that. But yeah, I just I love creating. So it works for me. I, I get it. I feel the same way. And your podcast is wonderful. You've helped so many people through that. Um, and you know, I think this art of podcasting and being able to talk about things that people actually care about in a real honest way that allows people to connect with you. Your episodes do that. It's real. It's honest. It's raw. People connect with it. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have somewhat not controversial. I just, I think about like the era we're in and people who have platforms and experts and, and all these people. And it's like, it's great to be an expert. Don't get me wrong. I love a good expert. I love a good coach. But like, I think about my life, the type of people that I gravitate towards, the type of people that I get a lot of perspective from are just regular people who have lived through things, who have found clarity in some way, and then they turn around and share it. Like, that's what I love. I love that. So I was like, well, I'll be that guy because I have certain things. I have certain things I'm good at. I have certain perspective that I think might be viable. And so like, I'm so adamant about being that guy as opposed to being an expert this or expert that. And that yes. like, don't get me wrong about an expert. Love human a good expert. First, human first. Even exactly. as a psychologist and coach, I always talk about that. I am a human yeah. first with lived experiences. So it's, yeah. you're right. It's so powerful to share yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And I want to ask you this. I, I'm always curious as somebody who is in the dating space as well and has helped so many people that way. There's always a reason why you're drawn to this space. There's a background, your story. I'd love to hear from you. What was it that, that brought you to doing this work, quote unquote, or helping people in the way that you do? Yeah. Well, I never set out to do dating content. I wouldn't say I was even drawn to it. I was drawn to mindfulness. I was drawn to self-awareness. I was drawn to living a more honest and compassionate life for myself. So I started the podcast in in that vein. And it just naturally, people were, kept asking me for dating content. So I'm a child and I waited until episode 69. And then at episode 69, I did a relationship episode and it was really popular and people loved it. I was like, man, maybe I need to rethink this because you think about life and you think about the areas of life where honesty, where self-awareness are most impactful. I mean, it's, it's dating is like, I can't think of a better area of life that's filled with frustration. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to apply it here. Um, and, and then as I started talking through those topics, I was like, wow, like this is really real in my life. I consider when I started the podcast, one of the reasons I started the podcast was uh, 2000, whenever it was 18. Um, I, I was in a relationship for a long time. Um, and that relationship ended and I hopped out and I was like, man, who, who am I, who is case? What do I represent outside of the relationship, outside of my job? I want to examine those things, but I didn't really think about doing relationship content. I just thought about being more insightful and intuitive and things like that. So I started in that vein, people started asking for relationship content. I was really hesitant. Cause I was like, what do I know? I'm single. I just, a relationship I was just in failed. Who am I to give relationship advice? It seems very disingenuous. Um, but I was like, all right, fine. I'll give some thoughts. And I started to, and 
people really started to love it. And then, and then I was like, well, I'm going to get serious about being a podcaster. I need to fish where the, the fishes are. <laughs> I was like, what do people want? People want dating content. And I'm happy to give my perspective, but I am very adamant about only giving my perspective on things that I've experienced myself. Like I get tons of requests to do, you know, content about divorce and, you know, dating with children. I was like, I, I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't lived that. So I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to. So anyway, long winded way of, of saying that, but I never set out to, but now in retrospect, I think there was a lot yeah. of foundation for the need to, and, and it's been really rewarding. I love that answer, specifically the piece about, well, what better place in life to really have that awareness to actually use mindfulness, right? When you're dating and in relationships, when you have that self-awareness and you have mindful awareness of your thoughts, your behaviors, how you're impacting your partner, et cetera, uh, it's just a wonderful way to apply the inner work. And then obviously have that beautiful um, gift of a partner too and a, a wonderful relationship. Yeah, yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah, sometimes yeah. The, the topic of mindfulness is kind of fairy dust sometimes, but all it is is self-awareness. And yes. I, to your point, I can't think of a better area in life where it pays to be self-aware, where Absolutely. literally the outcomes, the, the most compassionate outcomes are based on how self-aware you are. Because then you think about dating, yeah. What we do is we we have thoughts, but we block them or we don't act on them or we're not in touch yeah. enough to even be aware of them. Uh, and then that causes all kinds of issues. So I think as a starting point, it's a great area. Yeah. So many people are just repeating dating patterns over and over. They're having the same kind of relationship with a different partner, but they're just doing that same thing over and over and over. Right. And until you have that awareness, until you have the mindfulness, the reflection, of making a different decision in the moment of how you want to show up, right? You'll, you'll be stuck yeah. in cycles. So yeah, 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 absolutely. So, and I think one of the things that is really awesome about you case is you're a man <laughs> because, <I'm> a man. <laughs> you I'm know, a man. and I think just acknowledging some of the stigma, I guess, still within um, our society around men taking ownership of their emotions and doing the work and working on themselves, right? I think it's changing, but I, I think being a man in this space is actually a really powerful thing. It can help other men. What, what's that like for you? Have you had guys reach out to you and be like, thank God you're here because... I needed a model like this or? Yes. Yes. So I think about this a lot. The majority of my following, the majority of my listeners are women, like 90%. It's like overwhelmingly women, but I do have a, a small subset of men and I, I hear from them a lot. They're just less vocal about things. And they're like, man, like legit, I love what you have to say and on all these things. And then I think, I think a lot about like, why do we still continue to have this stigma or this trend or this generalization that, uh, and that's true that, you know, men are not quite there on the same level as women when it comes to self-awareness and honesty and compassion and, and all those kinds of things and vulnerability. And I still don't have a great answer for that. You know, it could be intertwined with, you know, definitions of, of masculinity and, you know, uh, different things like that. But like, I, like, I, I really would love to get more men on board on board. And my pitch to them has always been, it's like, it's tough to pitch things like this. Cause like, 
like I'm a guy who writes quotes about love on coffee cups. Like it's, it's a pretty feminine thing to do that. A lot of people see it represented as that way. Like, overly sensitive, like, hey, yo, case is cheesy, man. That dude's, that dude's whack. Like, I, like that kind of thing. And I think about like my pitch to men about like why to do this. And it, and it comes down to like a very human thing. Like I think about like how you live your life when you're not self-aware, when you're not compassionate, when you're not vulnerable, it doesn't feel great. Like I think about in my twenties, when I would say I wasn't like an evolved man, like you, it doesn't sit well with you when you're doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, when you're saying things that you know aren't honest, when you're leading people on, when you're not being honest with yourself. And it doesn't feel great. So I contrast that with what does feel good. It feels good to be honest, even though it's tough, it, it does feel good. So I'm like, my pitch is like, be a little like human and, and selfish. My pitch is like, it feels good to do these things. Yes, there's an awkward moment and there's lots of opportunities to, you know, have awkward conversations and things like that, but it feels good to practice these things. And I feel like, you know, it feels better than the feel good of being a, a F boy or whatever you, however you want to contextualize it. So like a lot of times when I talk to guys, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I was like, well, well, dude, how does it feel to be doing these things you're talking about, you know, lack of vulnerability, lack of intention. Like I hear a lot of the guys are like, oh, I just keep dating and doing all this and I just can't settle down and like all these things. And I'm like, well, it wouldn't it feel better to be honest with yourself and someone else, even if it's awkward, even if it's not the outcome you envision. It's like, yeah. So I think a lot of times it's just like connecting the, the like outcome dots there for guys. And I talk a lot about that, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I have a leg up when it comes to like influencing, just being a guy talking about these topics. Cause for some reason it is still is somewhat unique. Um, I think we're, I think yeah. there's a lot of great guys in the space that are pioneering it as well, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent, but I think a lot about that topic. I do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really important. And I think this ability to be a masculine man and an emotionally intelligent man I, you know, I think we're so quick to try to put people into boxes, but you can, you can be the whole of who you are with emotional intelligence. Um, and, yeah. and I want to also acknowledge to all my ladies out there. It's also on us. We have to stop expecting that men are not emotionally intelligent or that they're not going to be able to communicate and putting that on to men as women, we have to say, well, Hey, we want to give men the opportunity to step up, to learn about themselves, to of course, make mistakes just as women do, right? Like make mistakes, not do it perfect, but learn and grow and develop conscious partnership. Like men want that just as badly as women do. I think sometimes as women, we just don't assume it. We, we don't think they want it. That's a really good point because I mean, it's true. If like you go in with a generalization, like men aren't evolved emotionally, you could find proof of that in every single man. Like it's very easy to back up your assumptions. The yes. same if I were to go in and be like every woman's crazy, I could find the same proof or every woman yes. overthinks or is overly yes. emotional. I could find proof of any generalization. So that's a really good point. Like I think about my social circle and the guys that I'm friends with, they're all very evolved. They're all eager to evolve. Like the generalization could not be less true there in my life. And obviously I've tuned my circle accordingly, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think we're in a new era and I, I think it's, it's great. And I, but, but I think we need to be more vocal about it. Um, uh, both yeah. men and the expectation set. 
yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, if you could always find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for uninvolved men, you could always find proof of that because you can find proof of that in my life. Of course, like I strive to be the guy that I am on the podcast, but I, I fall short just as a woman who wants to be the same on her end. Like everyone falls short in some way. So yeah, expectations bound with a balance of, of reality. Yes. Yes. And being willing to invite people, I think is really important. Um, be honest about the kind of relationship that you want to have and inviting yeah. somebody into that and allowing them to, just as we said, make mistakes and not do it perfectly. Um, but I think being, being open to that feedback is just so huge because it, it's so easy for us men or women to just get defensive, to, to not want to grow, to not take the ownership but getting yeah. to a place where you can take ownership and actually take in feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all it is. And that starts with being aware of what you actually want. I mean, that's the biggest thing. The reason that those assumptions happen and come to life or, you know, we don't take time to examine what we truly want. And then you go out and you date. And when you don't know what you want, you're going to be all over the place. Of course, you're going to give mixed signals. Of course, you're going to end up ghosting or being dishonest or leading someone on like, it, it's symptom and then outcome. Like I think, so if you go back to, to the base and the foundation and figure out what you want, and then you go from there, that's great. Or if you don't know what you want, be vocal about that. And that's also okay as well, but it starts with a certain level of intention uh, and then, you know, acting accordingly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love this piece about, you know, kind of going back to what you had said in the beginning, asking people, well, how do you want to feel? Or how does it feel when you're repeating these behaviors over and over and you're getting these outcomes? I think when we think about the kind of relationship we want to have, we should ask ourselves, how do we want to feel in that relationship? And then that gives you that clarity of what you're looking for. Yeah, that's it. I talk a lot about that. Like people are always talking about, well, you know, I feel a spark with someone or this or that. I'm really attracted to them. It's like, that's great. Those are components of dating and, you know, making a connection with someone, but like, how do you feel? And does that align with how you want to feel? Like I, I did a bit on um, like soulmates and like, do soulmates exist? And my whole thing was like, yeah, of course soulmates exist. But like a soulmate is someone who makes you feel the perfect way that you want to feel, but you have to know how you want to feel. You have to sit down and, and actually customize that for yourself. It could be as simple as understood, driven and you know someone who checks your ego if that's a problem for you whatever it may be but like that i think is is the goal like someone who truly makes you feel that way because anyone can make you feel entertained anyone can make you feel you know happy for a night anyone can make you feel attracted to them in a physical way purely but i think that that deeper level of uh connection and understanding is is everything but you don't, if you don't know what you're looking for, then it's going to be tough to, to put a finger on it. And that could be trial and error. Of course, like it's tough to know exactly how you want to feel if you're in your twenties or even your thirties, I suppose right. trial and error. But I think always having the intention of that's what you're examining. Uh, I think you're going to make much more compassionate decisions for yourself and for whoever you're dating. So you don't jerk them around. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the things I say, um, is you don't want to water plastic plants. That's my, hmm. that's my metaphor for <laughs> relationships that aren't going anywhere. They just don't have the capacity yeah. or they're, they're not what you want. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of us can get into the place of situationships or like people that are just filling space 
but it's not matching up with that ideal partnership that, that we really want. Right. Like I think people are afraid to have empty space. They're afraid to be alone and what that means. Oh yeah. Instead of guarding that very, you know, sacred space really for the person that it's really meant for. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a whole book on the power of being single. So I'm yes, think, you are the guy like, for this topic. <laughs> I just I feel like people are so averse to it that they're yeah. willing to water plastic plants, that they're willing to stay in a situation that they're willing to date someone who they know they're not aligned long term. But I mean, it's it's easy to be like, oh, I enjoy being single. Like you could hop on the internet and find a million memes about being single and how great it is. And you know hit or miss because we're humans and it's natural to feel lonely. It's natural to feel behind. If you're in your thirties, if you're, you know, a woman, it's also, there's, there's additional pressure. Like I get that. I always think of it like of all, like I give the same example over and over again, but for me, it's really powerful to kind of do like a, a time exercise, like of all the things you might regret in life. I don't think being single is ever one of them. Like, like in the context of a relationship, what are the things, if you fast forward 10 years from now and you look back, what, what are the things you regret in dating? Well, probably staying in a relationship for too long, probably dating someone for too long, probably putting up with someone in a toxic relationship for too long. Yes, you you regret those things because that was time and energy you 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 gave, you invested in an area where you know it probably wasn't going to reap dividends. But you compare that with being single, I don't think that's ever <laughs> something you're going to regret. And I talked to older generations too, like my parents, like my parents' parents. And it's like, no, that's not even on a radar of things that you regret. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes that's helpful for me. And sometimes it's helpful for other people to kind of take a deep breath because in the moment, everything is gloom and doom, but to fast forward a bit and then look back, it's just, it's just not something uh, that you're going to regret. And then you can go down the line, of course, of all the great things you could do when you're single and learn about yourself and, and all, all yeah. that. But I think that's helpful. It's always been helpful for me. Absolutely. And I, I wonder what you would say. This is this something I say a lot is a relationship cannot give you anything that you can't give yourself. Mm. And yeah. a relationship is a multiplier of our happiness. It does not create our happiness. Does I, that align with what you teach? Yeah, it aligns a lot. I mean, I talk about this idea of main character energy, which obviously is not something I invented, but... I talk a lot about it. It's, you know, the idea that you're writing your own story. Yeah. That's cheesy, but it's true. But you think about it in the context of a relationship. A lot of times what we do is we write our own story and then we give up on writing that story to join someone else's story because we're so eager to be loved or we find someone who showed us interest and we're like, oh, forget my story. I'll just join this, this person's story because it's great that we forget about the happiness that we can create for ourselves and forget about the character development that is essential mm -hmm. to... Uh, experience by ourselves the, the best scenario of course is what's the cliche you know it's not two halves coming together it's two holes coming together it's two main characters writing their own stories yes. coming together to create another story it's no you don't abandon yourself because you're lonely or because you're getting older and you're like well i'll just join this person like i think that's a very backwards way of thinking and a lot of that's driven by fear of being alone uh, yes. so I talk, I talk a lot about that and I, I really like this point too, because it also goes for once you're in the relationship, making sure that you are maintaining those non-negotiables for you, that you're maintaining your identity, that you're not placing your self-worth in that person. Because sometimes people will be okay during the dating period. And then at some point, 
it, it switches and, and they lose that. So I think it's this commitment yeah. to yourself over and over again, that you will continue to honor your story, your narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about things you'll regret in the future. That sounds negative, but that would be one of them. Like mm-hmm. you're in your fifties, sixties. Like, what do you regret? Well, I regret kind of giving up on myself and my passions and what I loved in life and my development for myself because I got comfortable in a relationship or because it was easy to give up on those things. I <laughs> think about myself, um, been single for a long time. I'm, I'm dating someone right now, but like, it's, it's weird. It's like, sometimes the expectation almost is that you do that. Like when you couple up, mm-hmm. like you just become one amorphous blob. It's just a weird expectation. And like, I think maybe sometimes I'm a little bit difficult to date because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing in life, both entrepreneurially, creatively, impact, um, little, maybe a little wired, a little bit different than the average person in that sense. But like, like I refuse to, to let go of my growth and like what I'm passionate about. And I, sometimes it's, it's the ex, like not expectation, but it's, it's like, it's just what people gravitate towards is like, you put that aside. You found someone. You're good now. You got the box checked. Like, don't worry about all that. Like, that's mm. just stuff that you preach when you're single. And like, you can, you can rid yourself of that. But I really think that mentality is going to set yourself up and, you know, years down the line, even if you found a great partner and you have amazing, a fulfilling and compassionate relationship, like you still need that sense of self. Yes. Something you got like, the I fulfillment, mean, again, I'm projecting, but yeah. Yeah. No, the fulfillment and the purpose that I get out of the work I do, that's not something that my partner can fill. It, th- this is very much like Esther Perel. She talks about how, you know, our relationship cannot meet all of our needs. We have so many needs as humans. The relationship can meet some, but you're always going to have that passion for your career and how you're helping people and the ways you're showing up. Yeah. So I think we get this idealized version of like, oh, once I have the person, my life will be perfect and I'll never worry about anything. No, you have to keep showing up for you, even in a relationship. Yeah. And even that, it's like I talk, uh, one of the, it was like the first chapter in my book, Singles Your Superpower. The chapter is why? Like, why are you dating? I think as much as it's great, and I talk a lot about selflessness, I talk about forgiveness, I talk about empathy and all these, you know, um, very giving traits. I think we need to be a bit selfish per what you just referenced. And also with why you're dating. Like I, anytime I have a conversation with someone and they're frustrated by something, I'm like, well, I was like, why? So why are you, why are you dating right now? And it's usually like, what do you mean? Why? Like, of course I'm dating. That's what we're meant to do. It's biological. It's purpose-driven. You're supposed to create a legacy. You're not supposed to be alone. I'm like, yeah, those, those are those are of course valid reasons, but those seem like awfully passive. Like they seem reactions to what you don't want. You don't want to be alone. You don't want to not have a family. You don't want to, you know, do all these things. And like my whole idea is that you need to have a somewhat selfish reason for dating, like self-focused reason. Like I am dating to find someone who does this for me, starting point one. And then of course you have to do the same for them and those equalize. But like, I feel like if you're not starting from that point, you're just dating to date and that's good. And I don't think that's a terrible thing, but I think when you're guided by a very strong intention of why, and then you compound that with a vision for how you want to feel, that's much more powerful than being like, I'm going on a date this week because you know, whatever, screw it. Like, you know, I think it's great to be spontaneous and stuff like that, but I think having a very strong why that is self-focused um, plays in line with what we're talking about as far as your own needs. 
Absolutely. So to everybody listening, we talked about knowing your why, which is huge. And then also knowing how do you want to feel and letting those two things come together and really guide you. I think that's, that's incredibly powerful. And the why should not be because my parents said I should, or because that's what I'm supposed to do because, Oh, I got a job. So now that's what I should do. The why needs to come from within. Yeah. That's another great example. I mean, I, I also talk a lot about this word assumption. Like we assume so much in life. Like we assume, and, and, and it's a great thing. It's great to be inspired by other people. It's great to be inspired by other people's uh, relationships. It's great to be inspired by a conversation like this. So what we're saying and, and all this, but mm-hmm. ultimately it's up to you to prove what's true for you. For every article that says, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. There's someone who says that is not what a healthy relationship looks like for me. For every meme that's like, if you're not that person's woman crush Wednesday, they don't care about you. There's someone who's like, that's the silliest thing in the world. I don't need that. You know, for every person who says their love language is this, there's someone who says it's not that. Like, mm-hmm. ultimately, I think we need to figure those things out for ourselves. I did a chapter called Your Ho Phase, which is basically where I say, you got to go out and you got to figure these things out for yourself. You got to figure out if a red flag that you've been told is a red flag is actually a red flag. You got to figure out what you want. You got to figure out if you have a type or not, things like that. And I think that's the ultimate equalizer in life is being inspired by the world around you. What people say is true and, you know, perspective like ours, but then going out and figuring out if it's true for you, because it might not be, you know? Yeah. I I like what you're saying. I like what you're saying. It's one thing to listen to all the podcasts, read all the books, read all the articles, et cetera, but you're not going to know what's true for you until you do the work, show up go on some dates, actually yeah. apply stuff to your life. You won't, you won't know until you take action. Essentially, I, I put, I put myself out of a job with a, uh, <laughs> a recommendation like that, but I think it's true. Like I think about how many things that I yeah. used to assume, like when I, like when I was in my like late twenties, I would be like a single guy living in Chicago. Here's what it looks like. It looks like you go to the club and you do this and, and that. And it's like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be true, but it wasn't true for me. So a lot of assumptions are are quickly eroded by experience. And then to our earliest conversation, it feels so much better to do what's true to you rather yes. than borrow someone else's truth. So it's it's full circle. That's self-awareness. Absolutely. I know myself going to get my doctorate in clinical psych, but I always, you know, I grew up in Montana and kind of the the vision was, well, you need to be married with three kids by the time you're 25 and you better own a house and Crazy. like, right, like that, that was the assumption. So even though I was so focused on my career and so excited about what I was doing in school, I pressured myself to date. And the reality was I couldn't show up as a good partner in those relationships. I wasn't even in it. I was forcing myself to do it because I thought it's what I should do. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's all the proof you need that, you know, (laughs) patience and purpose and intention are the way to go. And the most compassionate thing for you and your partner, like, you know, you're going to put your partner through something that you're fully not invested in. Like that's kind of wrong. (laughs) We have to have space. We have to have capacity. I think about capacity a lot. Like, you know, I, I don't even know how I'd explain it necessarily, but it's like, it's, it's like, you know, in the gym, if you're going, you don't just start with a 500 pound squat. Like you have to work up to that. You have to build your capacity 
And in relationships, I think a lot of us pressure ourselves into relationships early on that we simply don't have capacity for. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to make room for it. Like I think about the last, I was, I've been single for the last three years and like, I just didn't have room for it yeah. um, mentally, emotionally. It wasn't because I wasn't like evolved. I was just like, I just don't have room for it. I am so focused on this myself and that mm-hmm. I don't have room for it. And I just like literally didn't date and it was so rewarding and it felt great. I didn't feel mm-hmm. any longing towards something because I had done the exercise of being honest with myself if I truly was, you know, prepared. So that, yeah. that felt great. I love that. I love that honesty. And I think you can know when you're ready, at least for me, one of the ways I know is if I can get really, really excited about it. And really, like if you're excited about dating and you are in a place where you go, hey, I can actually enjoy this. I can show up as the version of me that wants to attract that ideal partner. That's a really good sign that that you're ready. You feel yeah, excited. I love that. Yeah, I hear that question all the time. When, you know, maybe I got out of a relationship. When yeah. am I ready to date? I think that is number one. I think number two is also where you you just kind of don't have expectations anymore. Um, yes. Obviously, you have expectations for certain things, <laughs> respect, communication yes. basis. But like, I, I've talked a lot about, you know, uh, everything that we're talking about, our assumptions for how a relationship is going to look, our assumptions for how you're supposed to meet someone. I think you're ready to date when you're just open. You're open to maybe a different type. You're open to not judging a book by its cover. You're open to meeting in a different way. You're open to a non-traditional first date, whatever it may be. Like, I think that means you've, you've removed pressure from yourself and you're just open and you're calm and you're not rushing and you know, you're, you've evolved. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I love that. I love that. Well, speaking of being ready, one of the questions I had for you, I wanted to get your take on dating apps and kind mm-hmm. of what what do you think can help people make an actual connection on dating apps or what helps somebody stand out and kind of take it to that next level? Because I think so often people will talk to me about, well, hey, I'm showing up on these apps. It's so annoying. I'm getting ghosted or, you know, people seem like they're interested, but then they're not. So I'd be curious your take on it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, my, my take is I think dating apps are great within the the context of what we've been talking about of a whole phase of living by experience. Like if you want to figure out what you want, what you need, what you're attracted to, you need experience. You got to get your numbers up. That's the fact of the matter. Dating apps are perfect. Dating apps are a great way to go on two dates a week if you so wanted to. And that serves a purpose. It's like, Mm -hmm. you can't complain about, you know, like if you can't find dates, it's like, well, are you looking where the fish are? Are you going fishing where the fish are? You got to be on a dating app. You don't necessarily have to, but I think they're great for that purpose and it's purpose. And it's very aligned with the outcomes you're looking for, which are dates and meeting new people. Hear a lot about the frustrations of dating apps. Of course, it's very easy to say one thing and do another. It's very easy to go someone. It's very easy to have a conversation and then never follow up. I mean, I think when it comes to that, it's like, I think your expectations should be have your guard up a little bit that dating apps, not everything is what it seems. I don't think you should put pressure on yourself. If someone you give your number to someone and they don't text you, do not take it personally Do not do anything. They never even met you. How can you take something personal from someone who's never met you? That's my biggest thing. Even after a first date, if they never talk to you again, they, they never, you never connect. They don't return your text. 
whatever. They don't know they, you. They, one day, there's no way they know you. Mm-hmm. Like, relax is number one. Um, but number two, I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't think there's any, in my experience, any like best practice to like weed out the the, mm-hmm. the fakers or whatnot. I think ultimately, though, if you continue to wind up in frustrating dating experiences from dating apps, mm-hmm. I, there's got to be some kind of pattern. Like, mm-hmm. like maybe like I did an episode the other week on your type. Like we all gravitate towards a certain type. Um, maybe take a step back and purposefully dates go out on a dating app with someone who is not your type. Just try it. See if you could break that cycle and learn something. Like a lot of times it's like, well, you know, I'm, att- I'm attracted to really confident men. And a lot of times on dating apps, maybe that, you know, represents itself in a certain, in a certain way. Well, just because you're attracted to confident men doesn't mean that they need to be, uh, you know, a basic example of people in business. You can find a confident musician, a confident artist, a confident student, a confident doctor, or whatever it may be. Like you could find your type in different ways, just not in the way that they reflect themselves physically or their job or their mannerisms or whatever it may be. You could find it in different ways. So I think find whatever pattern <laughs> is consistent with the mm-hmm. issues and then try to break it down. But otherwise, I mean, know what you're getting into. And I know it's not always a great answer, but I mean, dating apps are great because they fulfill that that opportunity mm-hmm. for more experiences. It's opportunity, yes. But you're also going to have the opposite. But I think the opposite is powerful too. Like, it's a cheesy answer, but like, how do you know what you want until you've experienced what you don't yeah. want? Helpful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You get you get redirection from the things that don't work yeah. out. Absolutely. You're when you talk about type. Of course, I. Um, have done a lot with attachment theory. I'm I'm not sure if if you have read up on it at all, Case, but I'll just send you some resources because I feel like you might Please. find it interesting. Um, yeah, but but I, yeah. thinking about um, attachment styles, and there's avoidantly attached folks and anxious anxiously attached, securely attached, etc. Mm. Um, but a lot of times, that type that we keep picking is a childhood wound that has not been healed and you're picking someone who represents um, an earlier relationship and then you're unconsciously wishing for an alternative outcome. So that's this thing called repetition compulsion and picking that emotionally unavailable guy and saying, well, Hey, this time I'm going to get him to love me and that's going to heal all my childhood wounds. Right? Like it's just way too much, (laughs) way too much on a relationship on somebody you've never met um, but, but a lot of us are doing these unconscious patterns like that one and, and not even realizing it. I, so this is why I love talking with people who actually know and are studied <laughs> in these things. I talk about these ideas just from my experience, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, I totally see that, that being true, you know, expecting a different outcome, forcing a different outcome on someone based on some kind of shortcoming in your past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that all in and of itself, of course, comes back to self-awareness and your intention. Why are you dating this person? Like actually dating this person? Are they filling mm-hmm. some kind of gap, some, something you haven't healed from, something you're trying to prove? I think I used to be in that phase a lot, trying to prove something. Um, yep. So yeah, I love that. And if, if you're using dating or your relationship as a way to do your healing, it's not necessarily the space for that. Like it's, right. you shouldn't use your relationship to heal your internal wounds, right? Like work yeah. on those first. Yeah. That, yeah. It doesn't sound particularly fair to the other person. <laughs> no, it, do- it doesn't sound yeah. fair, does it? No. no. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I love what you have to say. And 
Um, there's, there's one other question I had for you. Cause it seems like you are so good at this. What is your <laughs> advice <I see>. on <laughs> no pressure, Kate, <laughs> your advice on creating self-confidence and showing up confidently as we're dating and getting to know people? Yeah. Well, it's always funny because I, I always talk about topics like this and like I am stock full of cliches and I, I never used to like cliches because like that's a cliche, but the cliches are true. Like. Cliches are absolutely true. Mantras are absolutely true. The quotes you see on Instagram are absolutely true. A lot of them are cringy, but a lot of them are true. Um, I've found a lot of confidence, um, you know, myself, uh, the past couple of years, particularly within dating. And a lot of that has come from just, I'm very aligned with what I bring to the world. Like I have found my skill. I have found my purpose. I can make a living from it. It's great. And when you take that variable out of place, it's like, very easy to, to be fulfilled in yourself, but not everyone has that. Like, I think a lot about, you know, doing like a reverse exercise. Like one of the exercises in my book was like, um, what would a partner that you want in your life bring to the table for you? And then you list all those things out and hopefully you've got a good idea of what that is. Generally speaking, right. Leave room for being flexible, but they do this and then that, and their values are this and that now stop. And why don't you do the flip side, like list what you bring to the table. I feel like a lot of times we just don't give ourselves the the time of day. We're so focused on someone else. We're so focused on someone else showing us affection and love or attention or whatever it is that we forget that in all actuality, as cheesy as it is, like we do bring a lot to the table. It might not be overt things like I'm a millionaire or I'm a great athlete, but like we do bring a lot to the table. And I think sitting down, this is why I'm big on journaling and writing it down and seeing it and feeling it and touching it is really, really big. That's one. Number two is like, I've derived a lot of confidence from a hoe phase, from actually dating, from rejecting, from being rejected and everything in between and realizing that it doesn't affect me in the slightest. What's the saying? Like confidence is a muscle. Like you have to exercise it. You can't, Mm -hmm. you can't think yourself into being confident hundred percent. You absolutely cannot. It's all, it's all derived from action and it's a derived from action where you realize that the outcome is not going to define you in the slightest. The conclusion is all about what you make from it. Um, so that's been, that's been really big in my life. It's like, you just, you can't think yourself into new states of mind. It has to be derived from experience. And that's why like, I'm, I'm big on like being cringy, being embarrassing, getting rejected, rejecting, standing up for yourself and, but doing it quickly. Like I think Mm -hmm. confidence is derived from thought and then action, not thought, 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 overthink, overthink, overthink. Okay. Action. I think it's derived from like a sense of urgency paired with a bit of patience and then just doing it and then realizing the power that you have to either create the outcomes you want or be okay with the outcomes you don't want. But either way, the headline is you can't think yourself into it. It's a muscle Mm -hmm. and you got to flex it. Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, w- one of the things we'll say in psychology is you have to act your way into a new way of feeling. Like actually using action. Yeah. Sounds better than what I said. That. <laughs> no, I like that. no, yes. no. <laughs> so, but, but I think you're right that so many people just get stuck in that overthinking phase or trying to just, you know, okay, if I, if I do X, Y, and Z, when, when I get this, then I'll be confident, right? Like when I feel this way, then I'll be confident, but 
you have to take action. You have to take action and changing your relationship to the outcome, getting good at not reacting to whatever outcome you have. And what what you're talking about to me too is building unconditional self-worth. Self-worth Absolutely. that is not that is not dependent on your environment, on anything that's happening around you. You have unshakable self-worth. Yeah. I, I do a lot of things where I try to like uh for lack of a better word, like gamify certain emotions that I want to feel. Like I've done episodes on this idea of like points or like tickets, like a carnival. You need 10 tickets to get something. You need 10 points to redeem something. Um, I've called them awkward points in the past. You know, you need awkward points and you cash it in for confidance because Mm. being awkward will prove to you it doesn't matter or rejection points. Or I did an episode on disappointment points. Like if if you feel down on yourself and you feel a lack of confidence because you're just constantly disappointed in life, either in yourself, because you're not living up to your standard and other people, because they're not seeing your worth, you get a point every time. And I think ultimately like feeling disappointed, for instance, I think it's a really powerful feeling. Um, cause a lot of people don't feel disappointed. A lot of people don't have the awareness to be disappointed in themselves. For instance, like mm-hmm. when you're living beneath your capability, some people don't have that awareness. So I think being disappointed in yourself is really powerful because it's you being like, I could do better have to act on that, of course, to make it real. But like, it's, I like this idea of accruing points that are cashed in for a feeling, whether that's awkwardness for confidence, whether that's disappointment for fulfillment, whatever it may be, those are all foundationed, foundationed word, um, by experiences that aren't so great. So you got, you got to either create those experiences yourself or be willing to put up with them when you're on the receiving end. But I think if you could tweak your mindset to be like, oh, that's just another one in the in the jar. It's almost full. That's fine. That's great. Um, it's a very weird way of gamifying no, certain I, emotions. I love it, though. I, yeah. I love that. This idea that when we feel disappointment, how can we actually be grateful for that? Right. I know it's hard to say, but yeah. allowing yourself to feel that emotion and say, wow, I have clarity on what I want. I'm not staying comfortable and I'm feeling this disappointment because I know I want more for my life and, and acknowledging, Hey, that's actually pretty awesome that, that you can have that feeling. Um, I, I think also if, yeah, if we feel disappointment, it's a sign that we care like, Oh, okay. You, you care about people. You care about your life. Um, uh, it's all about how, how you frame that emotion for sure. Yeah. And it's all about contrast too. Cause not everyone does care. And even yeah. if you want to take other people out of it, like think, picture a world where you didn't get disappointed. Like yeah. what, a, what a like numb, passive life that would be. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's sometimes it's tempting to be that way. Oh, well, another really bad day at my job, well, whatever it is, what it is versus another day at my bad job. I need to find a way out of this. I need to do something better. I am not living up to my t- potential. That's great. It still is the same kind of sucky feeling. It doesn't feel great but there's a, yeah. an outcome that you could push yourself towards on the ladder. And I think if you can train your mind to look at life through that lens, it's much more constructive and, and it feels good. Like mm-hmm. it's still the same feeling, but what's the outcome? Are you fired up or are you, are you resistant or are you just, yeah, it is what it is, you know, and that doesn't feel great. So I think you can train yourself full circle to like, absolutely go towards that feeling. How, how do you want to feel? I love that. That is full circle. So good. One more point with this is just, we can't decide what feelings we don't want to feel. 
if we numb ourselves from disappointment, we're numbing ourselves from feeling happy, from feeling joy. So as humans, we have to be open to that spectrum of emotions. You yeah. can't decide which ones you don't want to feel. Yeah. It's all part of the experience. I love that. Yeah. It's, what's There's a... Um... Oh man, I'm going to butcher his name, but Feek Nahat Han. I, oh, yeah. I, um, he does that. It was him or someone else that he referenced, but it's the idea of the non toothache. It's like when you have a toothache, yeah. everything you wish in your life was, man, those times when my tooth didn't hurt were so great. Those were the days. Or like when you're congested, man, if only those, I took those days for granted when I wasn't congested, like that line of thinking, like that's a very easy way to, to ground yourself in the moment. If you're looking for a way to appreciate the present, if you're looking for a way to practice gratitude, is to, is to picture those times where you did feel a certain way that was not how you wanted to feel. And then represented in the present, you don't feel that way. And it's an immediate gratitude. And, you know, you, to your point, you can't predict how you don't want to feel until you do feel that way. But I think there's always an opportunity to either look back and realize that you outgrew it, you beat it. Uh, and now you don't feel that thing to practice like immediate gratitude. Like, I think those kinds of exercises are really grounding and really helpful, especially if you've had a toothache and that really sucks or whatever, whatever it may be. Yes. I, I love that so much. And I think just getting to that power of gratitude, oh my gosh, I'm sure we could do a whole other episode on that. Right. But the power of gratitude, um, when, when we can use our difficult times in our life to bring us back to gratitude, we're, we're winning, we're setting ourselves up for success. Always. Yeah, yeah, I don't see a way that you can't win when you're grateful. Yes. I don't. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Case, I feel like we could talk forever. The time is flying. <laughs> um, you know, obviously I see your content and I'm always like, yes, so aligned with with what you're putting out in the world. So I'm not surprised we could talk about a lot. Um I do want to just give you a moment to let the audience know if there's anything you're working on, how can they connect with you? How can they get more of what you have to say? Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like we could, we could jam on all this. It's great to find someone who, uh, has good contrast to, to my points of view, namely very informed and, and, and uh, you know, educationally driven ones. Mine are just like, Oh, I just noticed this. So I love, I love those types of conversations. Uh, yeah. I mean, everything I do is uh, new mindset who dis, uh, it's the podcast case.kenny on Instagram, new mindset who dis.com for journals. And then depending on when this is released, um, in the near future, unbothered.com, uh, is a new project. So that's just a little teaser. <laughs> I love the title. Yeah. Right. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Well, cool. You'll definitely have to let me know when that's coming out. We'll let the audience know. Um, and one last thing before you go, Case, I ask everybody this. If you were walking down the street and someone came up to you and they say, hey, give me your best life advice. It can just be of the moment. It doesn't have to be of all time. <laughs> but today in this moment, somebody wants your best life advice. What are you saying to that person? I'd be like, all right, sit down and take an hour and really go in circles. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's probably the soundbite that I say a lot that I think encompasses a lot of what we just said, like a nice, like kind of zoomed out view. I say this a lot. It's like my little thing. It's that there's no right way to live your life, but there is a wrong way. And the wrong way is to think that there's a right way. 
And I think you repeat that enough. It really frees yourself from what we referenced with living by someone else's truth, living by assumption, living by thinking that there's a path, living under pressure and freeing yourself to figure out what that is for you, what's true to you uh, and doing it without uh, um, too much pressure. So I would say that's it. That's the line. I love that. That's very powerful. So I hope people really take that in when they listen to this episode. And I also want to say if this episode brought you some knowledge, if you got some gems from it, please DM myself at Dr. Morgan Coaching or Case. I'm sure you'd love to hear from people too um, at Case.Kenny on IG. Let us know your takeaways. We want to hear from you. All right. And yeah, Case, thank you again for your time. Uh, It's been lovely to have this conversation with you. I always appreciate having different perspectives and really value your perspective. So thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And of course, everyone, as always, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.